0: Greetings, this is Kurt. Here we continue with the third and largest portion of Book One, Enchanter's Lot. If this is your first visit to the Harkin Theater, we recommend you step back and find the first episode of Prelude, The Hostage Prince. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, share, and follow on your favorite platform. We'd like to hear from you. Simply send comments, compliments, and questions to our email. If you care to be a benefactor and help in keeping these complex productions coming, it's very easy. Just buy me a coffee via the website coffee.com listed with the description of each episode. And thank you truly for listening. Through the gateway and enter the universe of the Harken Theater. This is Episode Fifteen. The Harken Theater presents the sound plays of A Bridge of Doom. By Kurt Paul Hotelling, <laughs> Book One Part Three Enchanter's Lot. <laughs> tuning up for the night. The enchanter strolled absently through the short grasses turning brown in the early autumn, his thoughts upon the brief meeting with Princess Chania of Vermont and their quick decision to combine forces in a pursuit of the dark mage, Calron. Though Chania and her associates had suffered the misfortune of stepping through one of the mage's snares, they hadn't actually faced the man. With all her circumspection where he himself was concerned, Gaewan wondered if she had bothered to find out exactly how devious the dark mage could be. Her carriage was impressive, but he suspected naivety, indigenous to those persons who perceived the world as being ordered, logically and simply. Ron would never fall on a bended knee and show obeisance to a force of... Somewhere in the middle of the rolling meadow, he looked up at the stars while an evening breeze shifted the grasses. He sniffed the sweet scent of trees and the clover, cleaning away the cooking smells and the faint sting of burning oil enveloping Hopetown streets. Not averting his eyes from above, he flipped back his cloak and pulled himself to the ground, sitting with crossed legs after easing an imminent cramp. Settled, he rested his hands on his boots and rocked on his haunches, finding comfort in the many constellations starting to appear that he could still identify. Mystical and mythical legends in the night, talked to him by his father, a well-learned but little-regarded astronomer, scholar, and sage in his day. Eventually, the North Star caught his eye, and he reminisced over his many moons on the Sea Scout, when the navigator guided the mighty ship by the ever present star above the horizon. He removed the crystal from its pouch hanging beneath his left arm under his cloak and dropped it into his lap with a feeling of accomplishment. The crystal of Ipaya, god of the North. Caressing the facets with his right hand, he contemplated upon the one mention of a mystic dragon stone that was said to have fallen from the heavens, a stone immersed in the terrible white fire of the Dragon King's fearless heart. This could be nothing else. It galled him to think that Calron's loathing of him wasn't helped by the fact of the crystal being in his possession, yet Calron could never have taken Sane. Regardless, he was forced to seek out the Dark Mage and resolve the conflict. Though I doubt Calron would stand still long enough to listen to the facts. The narcissistic mage sought power to further his own ends and cared not for the consequences.
1: Gawon had no doubt that that if Calron had somehow gotten the crystal, as he had had planned originally, he would have tried to subvert the stone's power one way or
0: another, just as that sorcerer had done. But am I any different? He lifted the stone and gazed into its facets, reflecting the twilight. I know of thine importance, but not of thine purpose. I have felt thine power, but I understand like fireflies, flickers, and sparks beckoned to him deep within the heart of the stone, teasing him with their elusive beauty, then vanished suddenly as the hushed sound of footsteps came up from behind. Standing quickly and concealing the crystal, he spun about, a hand ready on his cloak's clasp, ready to shimmer to invisibility. He cared not to tangle with more robbers. Who comes? Three feet silhouetted by the distant, faint glow of Hopetown street lanterns toward
1: him. His eye, Gawan, Princess Chania and Derwan accompany me.
0: With relief, he dropped his hand. Ah, <sighs> good evening to you.
1: Please excuse my interruption, but I have a duty to complete and a request to make of thee.
0: Be at ease, my friend. You are not disturbing me. May we have some light? By all means. Awan called his sphere of yellow light into being in the air over his head. At the same instant, a second one, colored pink, appeared, floating over Chania's head, softly illuminating her fair hair. Mm. Eyebrows rising with mild surprise, he nodded respectfully to her. I wasn't aware you were a mage, princess. She inclined her head slightly.
2: I'm a practicing minor mage, yes.
0: And I'm sure you have other talents of which we shall have to discuss. He turned his attention to the man standing warily beside her. His earlier meeting had been with Chania only, her associates busy with other matters. He reached out a hand in greeting. Honored to make your acquaintance, my fellow. Gripping his hand firmly, the warrior grinned roughly.
2: And are you, Gerwan? I'm Durwan.
0: He was a serious-looking man with long, dark hair, skating over his shoulders. His eyes were black, arms long and muscular, the fingers of his hands nimble and calloused from bowstrings and swords. His face was round, yet slender with a narrow nose and broad cheekbones, his skin tanned like a sailor's. He wore a black leather gambeson with a minor hauberk draped across his shoulders and torso. A kilt of pieced suede and hard leather covered his legs, below which were high-laced buskins on his feet. A sword with a well-worn hilt hung in easy reach at his side. This was an accomplished warrior. And while Gaiman took in his appearance, he felt the man's eyes looking over him in an unusual fashion that triggered something from memory, but he wasn't sure what.
1: My first order of business is a request.
0: long hair reflecting almost white under the witch lights a direct contrast to Durwan's hair
1: May I accompany you on your manhunt for Calron
0: Taken aback slightly but, but not in the least uncomfortable with the idea he, he smiled and squeezed Obue's shoulder, shoulder. Twould be an honor a pleasure and a blessing We need all the men we can muster he didn't say, not wanting to seem derogatory about his friend's enthusiasm.
1: You are too generous.
0: You may not think so once we tangle with Calron. And now, what is this duty? ablu's expression switched abruptly to one of solemnity.
1: A confidential one of extreme importance.
0: He gave a short nod to Chania and Duran they stepped back in unison and took up positions a few paces distant, hands going for their weapons. Both turned and watched the meadow boundaries warily. Gawan raised an eyebrow with interest as he observed them.
1: My task began in the royal city of Foran over a riad ago. Master Enchanter Rothson bequeathed unto me a task that was to be carried out upon his translation, an event of which I am sure you were aware.
0: The great teacher's name struck a chord of reverence in Gawon's heart.
1: He bid me find among his possessions a powerful talisman, a task of extreme difficulty as it was clutched in his burned and severed hand. T'was only his authentic seal on the testament in my keeping that convinced the archmage to allow me passage to the vault where they kept his remains and personal belongings.
0: Was he not cremated? Vaulting, burial, and entombment were methods of the older Orthodox religions, not of mages and enchanters. Too often, lay folk sought a former mage's remains in the belief that they would prove effective as charms or other such nonsense.
1: Because of the violent nature of his death, they chose to preserve his remains until such time as the cause of his demise could be determined.
0: Gawan shuddered inwardly at the unpleasant and thankfully incomplete memory of his struggle of wills against a specter on the road to Forun on his trip to meet the murdered master enchanter. So occupied had he been with Paul and Marie, he had not considered sharing his knowledge to the archmage before he left the city. What do you require of me in this task you bear?
1: I was entrusted with seeking out the enchanter of the highest discipline to whom I am to give this talisman.
0: Assuming Ablui sought information to aid him in his quest, Gawon tried to think of any enchanters above him, hmm, but could only recall the name of one fellow who left the path early, never even achieving the rank of First Circle.
1: This enchanter is you, Gawon.
0: Stunned. He could only gape and stare blankly at Ablui as the ramifications of what he had just said struck him fully. The enchanter of the highest discipline? This can't be possible. There has to be someone else. Are you sure? Yes. He nodded confidently, piercing gaze not moving from Gawon's eyes. A name called from memory, The Last Student Under Rothson. Ah, what of Enchanter Compa? He lives
1: in... Town, yes, I know him.
0: Ablui couldn't help a slight smile as he recognized the reluctance Gaewan was feeling. Knowing the powers of the talisman as Rothson had described, he couldn't blame him for feeling apprehensive.
1: Kumpa has not advanced beyond the Second Circle and has stated his desire not to do so in the immediate future.
0: The scope of Ablui's travels further amazed Gawon. Brandon Town was many days' travel south of Foran, nestled along the banks of the Brandon River, which eventually flowed out to sea via Preston. And then to traverse the Chiantific Ocean just to find me? Surely there must be someone else. What of the Archmage Adare, Or the other members of the Silver Council? Ablui shook his head.
1: As you well know, they are not enchanters. Master Rothson specifically stated this was to go to an
0: enchanter. And there are no others. He forced himself to accept the grim situation. He was only of the third circle, a master being an initiate of the fifth circle, and there were none higher.
1: There are no others.
0: Suddenly he felt very alone a talisman created by Rothson was no doubt very powerful and required the wisdom of a higher initiate. Not only that, he was already charged with keeping the crystal of Ipaya. He wandered at the parallel, knowing there was no such thing as happenstance in such matters. Nonetheless, he couldn't help feeling a surge of excitement. A legacy of the late... Master Enchanter, may I see it? Ablui reached behind himself beneath his brown cloak and untied a pouch designed to stay concealed in the small of his back.
1: Of course, it is now yours.
0: Emptying the sack into his broad hand, he then proffered the object that lay almost flat in his palm. Silently calling down his light sphere to hover just above, Gawon inspected the priest's hand. The talisman, whatever it was, was wrapped in large black leaves and tied with a single strand of Aunt Louis flaxen hair. Lifting the parcel tentatively, he touched a finger to the hair. It snapped, allowing the leaves to open like a shadowed flower in bloom, to reveal a tarnished, semi-hemispherical silver medallion inlaid with blue stone. He glanced around to see if was Cheney were watching the exchange, but Elf Woman and Warrior had their backs to them, each with sword raised and in a fighting stance, as if expecting an attack to materialize out of the air. For what purpose was this talisman created? He held it carefully between two fingers like a large, rare egg, its snake-leaf chain dangling loosely.
1: Traveling normally impossible distances. How do you mean? He called it a transfer key. The last person to use it under Rothson's guidance and protection was a royal messenger named Marie.
0: Gods... He felt a chill shiver down his spine. Legends were told of how wizards used to cross mountains and oceans in the weak vener. This was how the Prince of Light was found and brought to save Anaria Kajor. Yes. The priest tilted his head with curiosity.
1: But Rothson said only he and Marie knew of this talisman. How did you learn of it?
0: Flashing back to the moment of agony when the specter sunk its talons into his hands and all the knowledge he had received from that painful psychic link, he closed his eyes and shook his head almost spasmodically. Not easily, I assure you ever
1: told how Rothson died? Not specifically.
0: Probably shifted his eyes to gaze far
1: away. Rothson came to me in a dream state shortly after he translated. This was how I knew when to act on his request of me. I searched the Magian Alliance's records for names of all enchanters. When I asked about his death, they admitted to announcing the cause as a flash fire while he slept but not really knowing except for a powerful negative ore that had taken possession of his chambers.
0: Specters destroyed him, Ablui, for causing some sort of imbalance brought about by the Prince of Light's presence among us. The priest's eyes widened slowly as the full implication of a specter struck him.
1: He must have crossed a terrible boundary to bring the wrath of specters upon himself.
0: Precisely and no one knows what exactly was that error.
1: His joy at
0: being given a device of Rothson's evaporated in the dread associated with the agents of the Dark One. He was suddenly unhappy with both situations. First the crystal, now this. Perceiving Gawan's trepidation, Ablui's intensity faded as he refocused on him.
1: Taking possession of a sword once wielded by a fighter now dead does not mean you also take possession of his karma.
0: I'm not so sure. I, too, faced a specter on the road to Foran. This talisman would seem to confirm that Rothson's unfinished work has been passed on
1: to me. And taking up a fighter's battle does not mean you will face the same outcome. If this was not true, then every realm or land that lost a war would not exist today.
0: Realizing suddenly that Ablui was demonstrating a comradely concern by sharing his priestly wisdom, Gawon found solace and closed his hand over the leaves and the necklace, then tucked it into an inside pocket of his cloak. I'll try to remember that.
1: You may also find this of interest.
0: Ablui handed him a small rolled parchment, the wax seal bearing the Magian Alliance's crest.
1: Rothson said you would know what to do with it.
0: Even though these words written by Rothson had not been directed specifically at him, he felt a quiver of anticipation as he took the scroll from Oblivies. Words written by a master enchanter held a subtle power of their own. As the enchanter of the highest discipline. In the name of Rothson, I offer thanks to you, Ablui, for your vigilance in completing his bequest. He bowed his head in acceptance, moved back, and turned to the others.
1: I am honored to serve, and now I will step into the ranks of your combined group. We are finished, Chania, Derwan.
0: Elf woman and warrior eased their stances, lowered their blades, spun around, and rejoined them, Durwan perfunctorily sheathed his sword while Chania kept hers free.
1: We are grateful for your cooperation in guarding us. Don't know what against, but glad to help. I am not at liberty to discuss it.
0: Ablui tugged his brown traveling cloak back around his shoulders. Durwan crossed bare arms over his chest and tried not to stare at Gaewan. Something elusive disturbed him about this man. Chania diverted her eyes to her blade as she slid it back into its sheath, then turned to Gaewan. Princess, would you care to join me for supper at the Brass Dragon? Yes. We can discuss our upcoming journey. I will meet you there shortly. I have some contemplating to finish. He stepped back. Until the morning, my fellow... Nodding curtly to Derwan and Ablui, he turned with a swirl of his deep green cloak and strolled away, his yellow light sphere floating above and before him. Hmm. Derwan watched as Gaewan withdrew.
2: I don't know about him,
1: Chania.
0: Ablui regarded the warrior with a sidelong look.
1: You don't know what about him? Credibility.
0: He tilted his head with dubious regard, as if trying to sort out a puzzle.
2: Something's odd about him. How can such an unusual man be trusted?
0: He turned to face Durwan fully.
2: On what
1: do you base your hasty judgment?
2: Ha! Hasty indeed. You can't see what I see.
0: Ablui smiled with private amusement.
1: I presume you refer to your psychic sight.
0: Durwan looked as if he had been struck. Ha- how did you know?
1: Never underestimate a priest of the freethinkers. Part of my training was in developing and using the psychic.
2: You were psychically trained?
1: I was. But initiates on the path of the freethinkers are taught to rely ultimately on a higher power. We are trained to use the psychic tools so we can recognize the effects of the unscrupulous using it invasively. In such instances, we can rectify volatile situations. Could you teach me?
2: I've known of my abilities, like seeing auras and being able to tell when someone doesn't speak truth, but never understood much about them, how to use them.
0: He had not expected Durwan to understand reference to higher powers, but he still found it frustrating that users of the psychic were so entrenched in that plane of thought. But he decided it was better to teach him enough in order that he protect himself against those psychics who used their powers aggressively.
1: Yes, I will show you what I can. Now, what is your dispute with Gaewon? Does he have a mate? A consort, yes. There are shifting
2: colors in his aura, which makes me think their spheres have merged. Is this not dangerous?
0: Ablui judged Durwan's ignorance to be the cause of his hazardous assumptions.
1: <laughs> it means you've seen very little indeed and must learn more before you make hasty judgments.
0: Knowing little about auras and psychic powers, Chania remained silent, feeling like a child attending to an older brother who was speaking in a different language with his teacher
1: you portray the suspicions a good wife might have for a supposed mouse hiding under her bed.
0: And why not? Derwan jabbed a finger toward where Gawon's distant spear could just be seen bobbing along the edge of the meadow.
2: What do we know of him? He has friends that include this town's royal marshal. Such testimonials prove nothing to me. Sly noblemen with friends in high places can be as sneaky as foxes in the woods.
1: Gawon is not a nobleman with designs on higher social rank.
2: No, he's an
0: enchanter. Derwan crossed arms and glowered darkly in Gawon's direction.
2: Supposedly something different from a mage. Such is true. Mages, sorcerers, enchanters, they're all the same. Each uses unseen powers to get what they want, just like this Calron
1: fellow we're going after. Why not put psychics in the same basket? You too use the invisible to your own ends.
2: I merely observe, using sight that others don't possess.
1: And by this power of keen observation, of which you just said you don't really understand, you condemn the man. Will you kill him now? You're making me sound like an inquisition. And you're making Gawon sound like a monster before you've taken the time to truly know him.
0: Taken aback with Ablui's quiet sternness, Durwan closed his mouth, sensing an energy emanating from the priest that he dared not oppose. Chania looked worrisomely from one to the other, fearing a dispute that would make an early rift in the newly formed group. Durwan, his long black hair blending with the darkness around them, seemed to be chewing something as he considered his next words. Ablui's pale hair fluttered slightly in the evening breeze, framing his powerful countenance as he stood with the level gaze of a magistrate waiting for an accused to incriminate himself fully. Their contrasting hair color seemed to magnify the opposing points of discussion. And suddenly the tension between them dissipated like a fog parting before a morning breeze. Derwan blinked and and eased the rigidity that had set into his shoulders.
2: I'm sorry, Oblui. You're right, of course. I've been fighting with something that's not even there.
0: He smiled ruefully.
2: Allow it the reflexes of a nervous warrior.
0: Chania gaped slightly in amazement. In the brief time she had known him, Durwan was notorious for being stubborn.
1: Thank you for using your head instead of your strong blood.
0: The priest slapped Durwan's back.
1: Let's go find some supper.
0: Chania stepped forward purposefully and stared at them both.
1: Would you mind telling me
2: exactly what you two were arguing about?
0: Durwan blinked at her for a moment, a glint of mischief in his eye. Then winked at the priest.
2: Arguing? I don't remember any arguing. Do you?
0: With the disgust a sibling might have for its opposite, she glared with irritation at the two of them. Men. Then let it go with a shrug, and turned to go back to town. Durwan grabbed up Louis's arm and pulled him along, heading for the distant street lamps of hope. Produced by Kurt Paul Hotelli. Copyright 2023. Character voices for episode 15 are performed by Marcel Hammer, Richard Hammer, and H. The Great. For the market.